Okay, so we have to uh, begin to get ready for Rosh Hashanah. So, you know, in, in, in this past parsha, Parsha's Kiseitze, so among the many mitzvahs that we have in the parsha, so we have the mitzvah of Micah, of building a fence around a roof. The Pesach says in when you build a new home and you have a roof that's accessible for people to go up on it, so the Sisa Micah, like Agechat says in Pasuk, build a Micah, let's uh, build a protective fence around the roof. There shouldn't be anything dangerous. There shouldn't be a part of a person's property which is dangerous. We're afraid that, the, that a person might fall from the roof. And so the Pasuk says, So you have over here a positive mitzvah, making a Micah for the roof. And you also have a loisasei, loisasendom veisacha, not to, not to have anything dangerous in the home. In other words, not to leave the roof without a mica. That would be considered something dangerous. So it's like this: you have a chiddush from the Arizal. You know, whenever we daven, so there's always two ways to look at davening. You know, there's the uh, the simple the simple pshat, the simple level of tefillah, which is, you know, I'm saying and I'm saying a bracha, that means Hashem, please give me understanding, and I'm asking for das, I'm asking for understanding, uh, I'm asking for refuas, to look at the words that each word means, what it means, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, and so on, Baruch Aleinu, you should give us a good year, V'chulo. But we know there's such a there's such an idea that we find by Mekumolim, I've mentioned this many times, of something that's called daven with kavanas. <laughs> I mean daven kavanas. It doesn't just mean, uh, you know, not to daydream. Daven with kavanas means that according to the Arizal, the Arizal and the Kabbalim have revealed that although on the surface we're saying the word Baruch Hashem, we're saying the word Rafeinu Hashem Rafe, but really, really beneath the surface, every single letter and every single word of Shemunesri, of Tefillah, are really just Shemus Hashem. It's all divine names. And daven with kavanas means to daven to, obviously, you're conscious of the simple taich of the words. That's our way of connecting to the words, certainly. But on a deeper level, daven kavanas means to be conscious of the fact, and this is what the Mekubalim actually think about by davening, is that they're conscious of the fact that every single word, the letters can be manipulated, whether it be through gematrias or other different ways of manipulating letters, that they mamish become shemes laktoshim. And the way of daven with kavanas means to sort of just try to connect to to the names of Hashem that are sort of pulsating and 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 existing underneath the scenes of Baruch Aleinu and Vlam uh, Shinim and V'chul. It's all Shemus Now, that's a process of Davim with Kavanis, of saying the words of Shemun but seeing them as really just combinations and different types of combinations of Hashem's name, that's true throughout the year. And it's certainly true on Rosh Hashanah as well, according to Mukabalim for sure. But there's a chiddush when it comes to the kavanas of Rosh Hashanah, when it comes to the davening of Shemunesrei on Rosh Hashanah, that Rizal reveals that besides the regular sort of format of the kavanas, which is to see the words of Shemunesrei, but to see them really as permutations of Hashem's name, a chiddush by the kavanas of Rosh Hashanah is that with every single kavana, with every single um, permutation of Hashem's name that we're going through throughout the Shemunesri of Rosh Hashanah, there's something that's called Kavanas Reish Yudvav. Kavanas Reish Yudvav means that after the words of Shemunesri are realigned to mean 
divine names, they're again realigned to turn into the gematria of 316, which is the word Micah. The word Micah. The word Maka, Mem, Ayin, Kuf, He, is 315 plus a Kailo. That's 315. That's the gematria ratio Vav. It's also the gematria of the word Gvura. And so this is a, a Chiddush from the Rizal when it comes to davening Rosh Hashanah, that all the Shemesak Daishim that we are trying to connect to through the Shemesri of Rosh Hashanah, we take those divine names and we permute and we 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 we're mitzarif them, we combine them and we manipulate them in such a way that they turn into the gematria of the word gvura, the gematria of the word Micah with the Kailal 316. And by the way, it's an interesting thing, uh, you know, you'll notice this maybe by some by some Sadiq and they have this minik, is that even if they don't have like a Polish Chesidisha Havara, but when you when you wish them a good uh, a good yar by Rosh Hashanah, They'll tell you not good yar. They'll say good yur, even if they're not. They don't have the chesidish havar like that. The reason is, is because they're not saying yar like year yud alef resh. What they're really trying to say is good yur yud vav resh yur. And the word yur again is this gematria two hundred and sixteen. The gematria of the word Micah, The gematria of the word gvura. That's the din. The Rashan is the yom hadin. And what they're trying to do is to say a good yur that that midas hadin should be softened and should be sweetened. A good yur. Now this is the Kavan of Rosh Hashanah, that again, all the Shemes Haktoshim that we are connecting to by davening, davening with Kavanas, all those Shemes are packaged and 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 manipulated to become the Gematria of Reish Yudvav. And every single step along the way of Kavanas by Rosh Hashanah, this is, the, this is what's called Kavanas Reish Yudvav, that every single step along the way of the Kavanas, we, we, we package every section of the Kavanas in, in a gematria of Reish Yudvav, and we, we repurpose the Shemus Akhtaishim to become a gematria of Reish Yudvav. This is connected to this Pasuk of the positive myths that I just mentioned, Vasisa Maika Legagacha. Of all the Shemus Akhtaishim, the one that's the most essential, the most Iker, is certainly Yudke Vavke. That's the name, that's the Shem Ha'etzem that all other divine names emanate from. The word gagecha equals with Gematria 26, which is the, the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke. But Sisa Maika Le Gagecha, the secret of that Pasik means, is the Kavanas of Rosh Hashanah. Sisa Maika Le Gagecha means that the Gagecha, the name of Yudke Vavke, with all of its, der, der, with all of its variations and derivatives, basically all the Shema Sektoshim that we're davening and we're connecting to throughout the davening of Shemunas, right? But Sisa Maika Le Gagecha. You take those Shemus Lakdashim and you package them and you surround them and you and you and you and you build around them a clea vessel which is called Micah, which is called the Gematria of Reshiudvav, the word Gvura. That's the secret of Davidin Rosh Hashanah, where we're connecting to the Kagach, we connect to, Hashem, to Hashem's name with all of his variations. But every single kavana that we have during the Davidin Shmanesray, we then take that shame and we connect it and we repurpose it to become the gematria of the word Micah. And that's the secret of Rosh Hashanah. That's what we find in the Kisveri. So obviously everything that Rizal taught, uh, you know, is obviously coming from uh, the highest place, the highest places. But if the Rizal revealed it to us and the Rabbanu Shalom made it in such a way that we, that we, that we just heard it now, that means that, the Rabbanu, that means it's something that we have to learn in Avodah Hashem. And so it must be that if this is such a fundamental Iker in the Havayda of Davening on Rosh Hashanah, according to the Rizal, then it must be a definitive point in terms of our general Havayda Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. So this has to redefine for us what our Havayda of Rosh Hashanah is, which is Vasisa Maigal to take 
the name of Hashem, and to connect it to the Gematria 216, or the word Micah. That the word Micah and the name Yudkevavke should be united with each other. And so we have to uh, figure this out. What does this tell us about Rosh Hashanah? So the way we're going to do this is by investigating an aspect of the halachas of Micah. And Bez Hashem, from there, we'll be able to hopefully get a better understanding of what, uh, of what the Indian of Rosh Hashanah is. Now, by the way, so uh, one general question when it comes to the halachas of Micah, and uh, I'll try to, to remember to answer it, the, the halachas like this, the Gemara Darshans, again, the Pasuk says, Ki sivna chadash, when you build a new home and the roof is accessible for people to walk on, so Vesisa Micah Lagagecha put a, put a Micah on the roof. Now the Gemara tells us, the Gemara Darshans, that this halacha of Vesisa Micah Lagagecha is only true for what's called a base dira, a house that someone lives in. So not only the, is, the, is there access to the roof, but the house is, a, is, a, is, an inhabit, is an inhabited house. People live in the house, someone lives there. And so since someone lives there and the roof is accessible, so we're afraid of danger. But says the Gemara, but if you have a house which is not considered a base dira, it's not a house that anyone lives in, even if people come and go, but it's not a house that anyone lives in, it's Pater from Micah. The example the Gemara gives is Bata Kinesias and Bata Midrashis, a base Medrash or a base Knesses. So no one lives there. I mean, Jews frequent it, people daven there all the time, but it's not someone, it's not a place that anyone permanently lives in. And so Mimela, even if the roof is accessible, there's no Chi of Micah. Okay, that's the Gemara. The, the problem is like this the Medrash in Sifri on the Parsha of Micah. Darshans based on a pasuk that that not only do, does private homes need a mica, but the base hamigdash also needs a mica. The base hamigdash had a roof, and the roof was accessible in theory. And so there's a chiddush from the medrash that the base hamigdash also requires a mica around its roof. And so the question the minchaschinach and other acharnim ask is that how does that halacha fit with the halacha I just mentioned that shuls and batei medrash do not need a mica. Again, the Gemara says the only type of home that needs a mica is a, is a bias that's a place of residence. No one lives in the Beis HaMikdash. So if, if a Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash is putter for mica because no one lives there, then why would a Beis HaMikdash be chayv in mica? No one lives there either. Again, people Jews frequent it, but Jews frequent shuls as well. The point is no one lives in the shul permanently. So no one lives in the Beis HaMikdash permanently either. Okay, so you want to tell me that it's Xer Sakasov, it's a special exception to the rule? Okay, but that itself needs explanation. Why would the Rabbanu Shalom decree that the Beis HaMikdash of all places needs a Micah? So what does this tell us about a Micah as well? So that's a, that's a question just in general about Micah. Okay, so now let, let's investigate a particular aspect of Hilchas Micah. And uh, like I always say, the Halacha is, 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 is a lens through which we can sort of perceive the neshama. So if you want to understand the neshama of Micah, and as I mentioned before from the Rizal, that certainly the Indian of Micah is going to be deeply rooted in Rosh Hashanah, so let's learn a little bit the halachas of Micah, and from there, Hashanah will be able to understand a little bit better what the Indian of Micah is. So it's like this. I mentioned that there's an Asay and a Lois Asay, right? So the Pasuk says again, Vasisa Micah you should put a Micah on the roof, if you have a roof that's accessible. And then there's a prohibition, not to have anything dangerous in the home as well. So there's a medrash that says like this, again, the Sifri on the Pasuk. So it quotes the, the Asay, the positive mitzvah, says the medrash, well, from that positive mitzvah, all I know is that you have to put a Micah on your roof. 
How do I know that if you have a pit in one's property, so it's not a roof, but it's a pit, how do I know that even a pit, I also have to uh, take care of it, I can't have it dangerous either, I have to have a mic and so on. So Tom Lemer says the Medrash, the, the, the Loisah say the prohibition, not to have anything dangerous in the home. In other words, this this prohibition of Loisah and Dom Vesecha is much, it, it includes many, many things. It, it adds many uh, situations that the Asay would otherwise not not be referencing. So the Asay, again, was was very specific and very, very, very particular. Vesisa Michael Gagecha. Not to have anything dangerous in the home, so that that would add to us not just a roof. That would add a pit, a bar, uh, you know, uh, also on one's property. That one has to make sure that that's not dangerous either. The Gemara, for example, Babakama includes in the darshans from that loisa say that you can't have a wild, dangerous animal in one's home without it being, uh, you know, guarded. Uh, one can't even have a dangerous ladder in the home without it being uh, put in a special place that no one is going to be able to accidentally use it and get hurt. So, is a much more general general prohibition, which is not to have anything dangerous in the home, which certainly includes as well a roof, but it includes uh, other things as well, a pit, and so on. So you have these two scenarios that theoretically require a mica. You have a roof, and you have a pit. So, but here's the Chiddush. The Rambam, in Hilchus Ritzeich, when he talks about the halachas of Micah, so the Rambam says what I just mentioned from the Medrash, that obviously if you have a roof, you need a Micah, and even if you have a pit in the home, uh, in the property also, it needs to be protected, because it says, The Rambam says, so how tall does the fence have to be? Let's say you're building a fence around the roof, or you're building a fence around the pit. How tall does the, roof have, does the, does the fence have to be? So the Rambam Paskins, Again, it's in Hilchus Ritzayach. The Rambam says, Gaiva the height of the fence that a person is building, whether it be around a roof or whether it be around the pit, it has to be ten high, because that's the height that's going to prevent a person from falling in. If it's less than ten then it's still considered a dangerous, uh, dangerous thing. People might still, uh, God forbid, fall. And so, in order to make sure that it's not dangerous anymore, to make sure that people are protected, so the fence has to be ten That's the sheet of the Rambam. Okay, pretty straightforward. The Vilna Gaon, for example, in his commentary to Shulchan Aruch, brings sources for this idea that we see the tent, uh, uh, you know, a height of ten That's something that's that's a protective height. That's already. Uh, a reasonable, uh, any reasonable person, or even an animal, won't be, uh, you know, won't uh, fall over a mechitza that's ten tefachamai. So it's a, that's the reasonable amount that the Rambam says for both a roof and a pit. The problem is like this: there's a sheet of the smag, the sefer mitzvahs That's the one of the baliyatayshes from Ashkenaz. So the smag holds not like the Rambam. The smag says like this: the smag sheet is that there's a difference between how tall the fence has to be if you're building it around a roof or if you're building it around a pit. Says the smog, if you're building a mica, if the situation is that you have a roof and you're building a mica around the roof, so then it has to be ten tefacha. Then it has to be ten tefacha. But if, you're bu- if you have a pit and you're building a fence around the pit, then says the smog, all it has to be is three tefachamai. Three tefachamai would be sufficient. That's the sheet of the smog. Okay, so in terms of where the smog source for this is, that to uh, make a difference between a roof and a pit, in terms of the size and the, the height of the fence, okay, so the Achorinim point to certain midrashim and certain brises that the smog sort of had maybe uh, sources for, for this for this ruling. 
But the, but the more fundamental question is the logic of it. What's the difference? Again, Memanoshach, if the smag holds that three tzvachim is tall enough to be to act as a protective measure against people tripping and falling into a pit, then why is that not tall enough for a roof? And if you're telling me that on a roof it needs to be ten tzvachim high, why? Because only with ten tzvachim are people going to be well protected, then why is it that by a pit you don't need ten tzvachim? Again, in the Rambam, the Rambam was least consistent. The Rambam was machmer on people's safety. And the Rambam said, listen, it needs to be ten tefachim to really protect people. And that's both whether it be a roof or whether it be a pit. The point is you're trying to make sure people don't trip and fall. So, okay, whether it be falling off a roof or falling into a pit, you need ten tefachim. But the smog that separates between the two and says, no, 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 a roof you need ten tefachim. But for a pit, all you need is three. So it's a pella. What's the svara of the smog? Again, the source of it, you, you, maybe you could find the midrashim and so on to, uh, to be as a source for the smog. But what's the logic? Okay, so to explain the sheet of the smog, it, well, there are two steps. Okay, two steps to eventually get to the svara of the smog. Step number one, point number one. I mentioned that there's an assay and there's a lois assay. Now, the assay was very specific. Vasisa maika legagecha, build a maika for your roof. The Medrash said that you also have to have a mica, you also have to be conscious and be cautious uh, and, and, and make sure that there's protections around even pits in one's property. But that was because of the loisase, of loisas and damavesecha. So point number one is that the smog holds that whatever we are including in the loisase only is included in the loisase. It does not become part of the assay. In other words, even if we're saying that the prohibition of not to have anything dangerous in the home includes a pit, and it includes a wild animal, and it includes a, a you know, rickety ladder, and so on, that's all within the world of the loisase. The assay, the positive of vasisa michael agagecha, is still specific to one scenario, which is a roof. It says vasisa michael agagecha. In other words, you could have made the argument that once you have the loisase, including a pit, and including other dangerous scenarios, then you can make the argument that maybe by the say the positive mitzvah, it wasn't, even though the, the words that we have in the Chumash are only making a mica for a roof, but maybe it means roof, etc. And maybe it includes a pit as well, even in the positive mitzvah. But that the smog holds not like that. There's a dividing line between the assay and the lois assay. The, uh, building a mica around a roof, that's going to be from the assay. Building a mica around a pit, or protecting a pit, that's, that's purely because of the lois assay. That's point number one. Point number two. The smog also holds that the difference between the assay and the lois assay are fundamental, are, is fundamental. What is the point, what is the idea of the lois assay? The lois assay is lois assay, not to have anything dangerous in the home. Which means, the Pasuk is not telling you how specifically to protect your home. But it's saying, is whatever is considered to be dangerous, remove that, or make sure it's no longer dangerous. And that includes, again, a wild animal means lock it up. If it's a faulty, you know, rickety ladder, throw it away or whatever it is. And if there's a pit, then do something to make sure the pit's no longer dangerous. And the smog holds that in order to make a pit not dangerous, all you need are three tvachim. It's three tvachim. And by putting a fence of three tvachim, that already makes it not dangerous. Uh, a person that's, uh, that's walking, you know, we, we could assume that they're not going to to uh, fall fall into the bar, into the pit, if there's a mechitza three tzvachim. But that's all when it comes to the lois assay. The assay, which I said, is something that's specific to a gag. V'asisa maikil according to this mag. That's something else altogether different. 
What does the word Micah mean? What does the word Micah mean? Because Vasisa Michael Gagecha is not just saying, make sure your roof is not dangerous. It's giving you specific instructions about what to do with your roof. It doesn't say, make your roof not dangerous. It says, you have a roof that's accessible, build a Micah. So that's specific instructions about what to do. Now, what does the word Micah mean? So with this, we have Machlekes. Rashi and Chumash teaches that the word Micah means Mechitza, Geder. It means a wall. It means a fence. That's what the word Micah means. That's Rashi. Unculus, however, translates the word Micah not to mean a fence or a, or a, or a wall, a Mechitza. The word Micah means a protection. That's the word Micah means. So it's like this. The smog holds like Rashi, that the word Micah means offense, which means that the Pasuk is not just telling us Vasisa Micah make some sort of protective measure around your roof. If, 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 if it was like Unkelis, that the word Micah just means a protective measure, well, what's considered to be a protective measure? The Smag would say three Tvachem. But that's not what the word Micah means, according to the Smag, and that's not what the Micah means, according to Rashi. The word Micah does not mean a protective measure. The word Micah is specific instructions, build a Mechitza. Build a Mechitza. Now, what does it mean a Mechitza? What does it mean a fence? What does it mean a wall? Well, in Hilchas Shabbos, in Hilchas Erevin, in Hilchas Sukkah, we find this, in Hilchas Psachim, all over, the, all over Tyra, that a Mechitza means Yotvachim. That's what it means. Which means... That there's a, a fundamental difference between the Asay and the Loisase. Again, the Loisase of Loisas and Dom Vesecha, that is a prohibition warning us not to have anything dangerous in the home. And so, as long as we do things to make certain areas of our homes not dangerous, then we're, we're good to go when it comes to the Loisase. So, the Loisase is, therefore, let's say a pit. A pit is completely. Um, uh, uh, is completely um, uh, governed by the Loisase. It, it, it's it's completely you know ob, we're obligated to take care of this pit in our home only because of the loisase So what does it mean not to make it dangerous? So it says Ismag, it means three tfachim. But when it comes to a roof, that's not the yisai. The yisai does not don't make the roof dangerous. The pasuk says Once you have a roof and the roof is accessible, then it says in pasuk now you have an obligation because of a mitzvah to make a mica. What does it mean a mica? A mica means a mechitza, and a mechitza means yotfachim. So even if it's true that less than 10 tfachim is already not dangerous, but it doesn't make a difference. You have a positive mitzvah of what? Of building a fence of 10 tfachim. And this is the sheet of the smog. Therefore, when it comes to a bar, which is only being, where, where our obligation is only stemming from the loisase, the loisase is fundamentally about making it safe. And in terms of safety, three tfachim is enough. But when it comes to the agag, a roof, which is now under the command of the asay, of Asisa Michael Agagacha, that's no longer just about making it safe. We have a new mitzvah which is called building a fence around the roof. And if the definition of a fence means yotvachim. By the way, more than that, not only is the obligation different, that the asay requires a mechitza, which is a definition of tentvachim, whereas the loisase just requires safety measures, you can make the argument, and the Chazanish does make this argument, that the Asay really has nothing even to do with safety, Bechlal. The Chazanish points out that the truth is, the nature of a person is, is that when you're on a roof, you're automatically more uh, more conscious about where you're stepping. You're automatically more on guard. There's less likelihood Bechlal of falling. So says the Chazanish, the truth is, a gag, a roof, wouldn't, would, theoretically would not even be considered to be a dangerous spot to begin with. 
And so, and so the the fact that 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 when it says leisas and dam veisecha, not to have anything dangerous in the home, really that wouldn't that would not even include a roof. So what's the mitzvah of Asisa Ma'akil Gagacha? It's Xeris HaKasav. It's a new mitzvah. It's a new Xeris HaKasav, which is that you have a roof which is accessible to people walking on, build a fence around it. I, you don't need a fence to make it safe. All you need is three tzvachim to make it safe. And the truth is, you can make the argument that a roof is bachlal, not dangerous to begin with, because anyone on the roof is going to automatically be more conscious of the fact that they're at a, you know, they're on a roof and, and they have to be more, more, uh, more cautious about where they step. So the whole roof area bachla might not be dangerous, but that's not the point. Vasisa Michael Gagecha is a new mitzvah say, and it's a gzer sakasav. It's not a sikhliistic mitzvah, it's not an intellectual mitzvah, it's not a logical, a human logic mitzvah. It's not about safety, it's a gzer sakasav. You have a gag, you have to have a maika. What does a maika mean? Tentvach. So what we're seeing from the smog is a chiddish, that the, the mitzvah say vasisa Michael Gagecha is not really about shmir per se. It's not about Shemir per se. It's a Gzer Sakasav, that there's something about Gagecha, there's something about this Indian of, of Gagecha, of your Gag, that there, need, there requires a Mechitza Shalyut. It requires a Mechitza, a fence of Yud Tvachim surrounding it. So let's understand the Pneumius of this. What, what's this Indian going on? What, what, what is this telling us? What's this mitzvah of Dafka having a Mechitza? Because now this is a this is a, 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 a more clear definition of what this mitzvah is. That it's not about per, making the roof a safe place. This is about a new Indian, which is building a mechitza shel yud around the roof. That's the that's the site of the mitzvah right now, according to the smog. So, what does this tell us about Rosh Hashanah? Right? What does this tell us about Rosh Hashanah? So it's like this: the, the truth is, if we think about it, the the entire Indian of Rosh Hashanah, exa- what the Rabbanu Shalom does and did, and every past Rosh Hashanah will Bez Hashanah will continue to do, is really make mechitzas. That's really all the Rabbanu Shalom does. In other words, what was before Rosh Hashanah, right? So in theory, before Rosh Hashanah, all there was was the Rabbanu Shalom's light. The Rabbanu Shalom's light. In the language of the Rizal, as I mentioned many, many times, before creation, all there was was our Ein Saif, an infinite light of God, which is just encompassing all of reality, just the infinite ocean of godliness. What does the Rabbani Shalom do on Rosh Hashanah? He creates a world, and that world is what? Is a world of mechitzas. It's a world of barriers. It's now a world of, of things that block Hashem's light and sort of push Hashem's light to one corner. That's really what happens on Rosh Hashanah. So the Indian of Micah, the Indian of there being mechitzas and, and things sort of standing standing in front of something and blocking something, that's really what the Rabbani Shalom does in Rosh Hashanah. But let, let me explain in, in, in a little bit deeper, more clear what, what I mean. There's a, there's a piece in the Kutamaran, and it's one of those uh, it's one of those pieces in the Kutamaran, which is just such a, it, it, it's, it's a piece which is all about chizik and, and uh, an unbelievable strength, but it's one of those pieces that, again, it's it, that we might not necessarily have a clear understanding of what Rav Nachman is talking about. So I'm going to try to explain a little bit. So it's in the Kutumaran, it's in Tinyana Mem Ches. Mem Ches. So Rav Nachman says like this, Kisha'adam nichnas b'avaydis Hashem. Said Rav Nachman, when a person first enters into b'avaydis Hashem, when you begin to take b'avaydis Hashem seriously, and let's understand that Rav Nachman is talking about every individual person when they begin to sort of take that step towards coming closer to Hashem, but the truth is on a, on a, on a, uh, a yearly level, 
This is what Rosh Hashanah is. On Rosh Hashanah, we all enter into Avadis Hashem. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. We all, we're all Mamlech Hashem. We all accept upon ourselves Hashem's Malchus. And we define ourselves as beginning to become Avdi Hashem. So what Rav Nachman is about to tell us, which is the experience of a person first entering into Avadis Hashem, this is really the experience of Rosh Hashanah. And what is that experience? So Rav Nachman said, when a person enters into Avadis Hashem, then the first initial experience that that they have, that they're shown, that the person experiences, is his rachkos, is being pushed away, is being distanced, is being is a sense of being far from Hashem. That's actually the first experience one has. And it would seem to him that the person is being distanced from above. Hashem is pushing them away. And the person is not being allowed in. So the first feeling that a person has when they begin to enter into Vedas Hashem is the fact that they feel like they're being pushed away, that there's minias and there's mechitzas being placed between them and the Rabbanu So when they when 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 the when the thought of of coming close to Hashem when it's just a thought and there's and there hasn't been any any uh, Rosh Hashanah there hasn't been any beginning yet and it's just a havam and it's just a thought then what the person sees in front of them is just infinite light it's just mamish the Rabbanu presence. But then when they actually step up and start moving towards that light, and that's the beginning of one's entrance to Tavad Hashem, which is the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of creation, so to speak, the beginning. So when then what happens? And all of a sudden, tick, 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 all of a sudden, mechitzas are now placed between you and the place that you saw so clearly until now. And that's and that's exactly what the Rabbani Shalom is doing on Rosh Hashanah. What happens on Rosh Hashanah is... Rosh Hashanah is, if you think about it, in Ishbet Sesfarim we find this, that Rosh Hashanah is really the day of, of great Hester Panim. It's a day when the Rabbani Shloylam created the reality that's called Minias and Mechitzes and Hester Panim. And so the Iker Avaida, because again, as I said before, before Rosh Hashanah, all there was was God's presence. And after once Rosh Hashanah comes, the Rabbani Shloylam now creates a world, that world is now a barrier between us and the Rabbani Shalom. Now there's Mechitzes and Meniyah standing between us and concealing God's infinite light that before Rosh Hashanah was all pervasive. And all of a sudden now there's Meniyah and Mechitzes. So the truth is Rosh Hashanah is a day of unbelievable Hester Panim. And this is in fact the Pasuk. It says, Tiko the below the Shaifer in Rosh Hashanah. And what is Rosh Hashanah called? Bakesa Liyam Chagenu, the Yontif of Concealment. And so this is ultimately what the Rabbani Shalom does on Rosh Hashanah, which is that he creates Minias and he creates Mechitzas. And that's the, what the Rabbani Shalom does on Rosh Hashanah. What's our Avaita on Rosh Hashanah? So our Avaita of Rosh Hashanah is what? Is to redefine for ourselves what, the, what these Mechitzas are, what these Minias are, and to, and, to, and to understand and to appreciate the purpose and the actual kindness that the Rabbani Shalom is doing by putting these mechitzas in place. And so, in other words, our avayda is not to, is not to break down these mechitzas, or not to break down these minias, but it's to realign our perspective and to sweeten those minias and those mechitzas and those, and those, those obstacles and to realize and to try to understand that there's a very deep connection that the Rabbani Shalom is actually offering to us and trying to 
connect to us through those mechitzes and through those minis. In the words of Rav Nachman, again, this is all Rosh Hashanah, says Rav Nachman in the beginning of one's Avedis Hashem, what happens is you come in contact with Hisrachkos, with what seems like distance. Because again, that's what Rosh Hashanah is. The Rabbani Shalom is now on Rosh Hashanah building minis and mechitzes. But the truth is, and this is our avoid on Rosh Hashanah, is to realize that kol hasrachkus hurakuli hiskarvus. That all of that distance and all those mechitzes that have been that have now been placed between us and the light of Hashem that we wanted to experience, that we were looking forward to, is in truth not menias, but in truth it's actual closeness. It's actually bringing us close. And a person has to have a lot of chizik within himself in order not to fall and not to be miyayish. A person finds year, days and years passing by. And you put in so much effort to come close to Hashem. And every time you start, it's like the Rabbani Shalom says, Oh, you're coming close? Here's another wall. Here's another wall. Here's another wall. And that's what happens every Rosh Hashanah. The Rabbani Shalom is building walls and walls and walls. Again, before Rosh Hashanah, it was just his light. After Rosh Hashanah or on Rosh Hashanah, now uh, there's continents and there's inyanim and there's life and there's animals and there's hester, all, all the things of this world that would seem to be separating us between him, between us and the light of Hashem that we so desperately want to connect to. And so, like I said, so what's our avayda? Our avayda of Rosh Hashanah is what? Is to understand the purpose of these minias, the purpose of these mechitzes, and when we understand the purpose of them, we'll be able to realize how, in fact, they're not minias at all. Like Rav Nachman said, it's it seems like it's Hashem's pushing us away in Rosh Hashanah, but in truth, He's actually bringing us that much closer. So, what is the purpose of these minias? Why would the Rebbeinu Shalom put obstacles up in front of a Jew when we're first beginning to get closer, or when you first begin the process of getting closer? The first thing is minias. All right, so here's the idea. And this has to do exactly with the need of Micah. Because again, let's understand. What we're looking for is Gagecha. What's Gagecha? Remember, Gagecha is Yudke Vavka, it's 26. That's Hashem's name. We're, we want the light of Hashem, we want Hashem. But all of a sudden, the Rabbanu says, no, 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 you can't have Gagecha. Your, your first initial, your, the, the way into Gagecha, the way to access properly and healthily Gagecha is Vasisa Micah Gagecha. There has to be Minias. There has to be mechitzas. There has to be mechitzas separating between you and gagecha, and that's that's exactly what Rosh Hashanah is, right? That's what I mentioned before the kavanas of turning gagecha into Micah, turning the shem sakdashim into the word Micah. So, because again, that's exactly what Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah is the rabbanim was creating mechitzas, but our avoda is to redefine those mechitzas as not things that separate, but rather as something that's part of Gagecha. It's part of this process of actually coming close. So why is that? Says so the teaching from Arizal. Okay, now Arizal taught this, it's in Parshas Kisetzi, in fact, in Sharp Sukkim. Again, he says this on his level, so, you know, do the best we can. There, there's, there's, whenever a Jew come, wants to come close to Hashem, and that's a very noble and holy aspiration to come close to Hashem. But there's always an Isayan involved. And that Isayan, and that little, I guess you can call it a Yetzahara, or a little temptation in the heart of a Jew, while they want to come close to Hashem, is, do I want to come close to Hashem and experience Hashem's light as, as the in the Rabbani Shalom's way, in the Rabbani Shalom's place? There is always a Yetzahara of, wanting to experience godliness and wanting want to experience Hashem's light, 
but in a way that fits our agenda, our perspective, our comfort zone. In the language of the Rizal, I'll, I'll share with you like this. In the, in the Rizal's language, the dimension of, of reality, that's Hashem's space, where the Rabbani Shalom exists as He is, not watered down, not filtered, not, uh, not uh, you know, um, um, with, a, with a certain lens and a certain perspective that we put. Truth as it exists by the Rabbani Shalom. That's called Atzilus. That dimension is called Atzilus. The word Atzilus comes from the word Eitzel, which means close to. That's Hashem's domain. Uh, the word Atzilus also comes from the word Natsa, which means to be hewn, like a rock that's hewn for a mountain. It's the same material. A rock for a mountain is coming from the same material. So the word Atzilus always means the, the experience of Elikus, the Rabbani Shalom's presence, in its pure state, as it is by God, without it being watered down or or becoming misgashing, or become, becoming more physical, and becoming uh, corrupted or polluted by the time it gets to us. That's called Atzilus. And then there's a universe that's called Bria. Bria means the world that we operate in. That's our place. And so the Rizal taught that whenever a Jew wants to experience Hashem's light, there's always a concern. The concern is, is the light of Hashem going to, that's emanating, so to speak. It's coming from Atzilus. It's from the Rabbanu Shalom's place. But the question is, is the light falling from that level of Atzilus into your place that's called Bria? And really, in other words, are, do you, it's, it's feeling close to Hashem, it's, it's feeling excited and so on, but ultimately it's not the real truth. And it's not, it's not the Rabbani Shloylam as, as, as he wants to be experienced, as he, as he Yochel, exists. It's our human interpretation, it's our human uh, uh, perspective on that godly experience. Is the light of Atzilus going to fall and descend into Bria? Or no? Is the light of Atzilus going to be pure and pristine and authentic as it is in Atzilus? And although we're not living in that place, we're going to be able to gleam and and bask in the rays of that light as they're still connected to their authentic, authentic source. And so this is the question that the Jewish person always has to answer whenever they begin the process of coming close to Hashem. Do I want to come close to Hashem in a way that is actually close to Hashem? Or am I just interested in feeling close to Hashem and experiencing that exuberance and that excitement, but really what I want is God to sort of be filtered down to me? I meant I talked about this idea, I'll give you an, a drastic example of this, but the, the, a drastic example of this, an extreme example of this, is, is like the difference between Yiddishkeit and Christianity. I spoke about this on Tisha B'Av, where the clip of Christianity, the tomb of Christianity, is what? Is that they also want to come close to God, but they're not willing to go through the inner the inner transformation of becoming someone that actually goes to Atzilus, to become someone that actually goes to Hashem's place. What they want is to remain the, the barbaric, violent, uh, taiva-driven people as they were before, but also to bask in God's light. So in other words, to bring God down and to bring Hashem's light from Atzilus and to bring it to Bria, that it should become Briadic and, sh- and it should become no longer at Silas, it should become just uh, just Bria. Ad Kedekach, that literally God becomes Chas God becomes a person. You know, on a more subtle level, this was the Chet Egel, right? The Chet Egel also was, on some level, all of these are rooted in this, that the Jewish people want to experience the Rabbanu Shalom, but, but in order to experience the Rabbanu Shalom as He exists, you have to be willing to go through that journey. And you have to be willing to go through that inner 
avoida of moving and transcending and becoming a and, and be willing to go to a higher space and to a higher place and and that with 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 which demands a tremendous amount of self-sacrifice of being able to make that decision of I want to come close to God and not just the experience in my mind of being close to God, but to actually be close, to connect to that truth. The way the Rabbanish Shloilam sets up the system to ensure that the only ones that get close to him are the ones that want him, are the ones that are that want the truth and are willing to pay for it and are willing to go through that process of moving Tatsilas, it's because of Minias. It's because of those Mechitzas. If it wasn't for Mechitzas and Minias, and the Rabbanu light would be, would be full access to everyone, then the world would experience Hashem's light, but it wouldn't be Hashem's light anymore. The light of Hashem would then be, be, be polluted by the unrefined nature of the person himself. And so what the Rabbanu Shalom does is that he, 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 when the person shows interest in coming close to Hashem, so what the Rav Nishon does in Rosh Hashanah is, he creates a mini, he creates obstacles, he puts the mechitzas. But those mechitzas are there for two things. First of all, they're there to make sure that the only ones that are that actually get to Gagecha, the only ones that actually get to Hashem's name, are the ones that really want it. The ones that really want it. Number two, and even those that really want it, by the time they're able to sort of break through those mechitzas, they've become refined through that experience. They've become humbled through that experience. They've become more elevated through that experience. Where now when they experience Hashem's light, it's Hashem, It's on Hashem's place. It's on Hashem's terms. It's not on our terms. This is the secret of Vasisa Michael Gagacha. Vasisa Michael Gagacha means, the Rabbanu Shem is saying is that you want Gagacha, you want Hashem's name, you want my light, I'm going to give you my light. But not only my, but I'm not going to give it to you straight, because then if I give it to you straight, then it's not my light. Then it's your perception of my light, and my light is going to become watered down and even polluted by, by the unrefined nature of the human being. So what I'm going to do, says the is I want you to experience Gagech, I want you to experience the truth of Yud Kevavke, the essence of who I am. Not just a reflection, and not just a, a, a human version of it. I want, the real, I want you to have the real thing. But the way that you're going to find within yourself the ability to get to the real thing is by dealing with the manias and the mechitzas that I place in front of you. So this is the meaning of the word Micah, that Micah, that the the, the, the itself has to be redefined. The Rebbe is not pushing us away. He's Adarabba, he's putting us in a position where we're compelled, we're actually given the opportunity now to experience the, the truth. And the truth requires that level of Mesir's Nefesh of dealing with the Mechitza. And so the Mechitza, therefore, is not a, a, a actual block between us and the Rabbanu Shalom. That's how we're going to access the deepest element of Gagacha, the deepest element of Yudke Vavke, is Davka because of the Micah. This is why, let me explain, this is why the Micah, the fence, has to be Yud Tvach, it has to be Ten Tvach. Why? So it's like this, you know, the, the the name the word gagach as I mentioned before is twenty six which is the gematria the numerical value of yud kevavke now if you take the name yud kevavke so if you count the letters not the numerical value but if you just count the amount of letters so there's four letters yud kevavke but if you really unpackage the level the, the 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 word in full and you bring out all the milu all the hidden letters within it and you really really unpackage the word so it's no longer four letters it's actually ten. What do I mean? So the letter Yud is not just a Yud. If you spell it in full, it's Yud Vavdalad, Yud. 
Hey is not just a hey, it's hey yud. Vav is not just a vav, it's vav yud vav, vav. And the final hey also, hey yud. That's 10 letters altogether. Now, let me explain. There's a big difference between when you have a gematria of a word versus when you are counting just the amount of letters in the word. A gematria, a gematria is always, always, a gematria is never the essence of the word itself. The gematria always means translating this word into numbers. So, so for example, I don't know, so, so, so Yudkevavke, so Yudkevavke is 26. That's not the actual word Yudkevavke, that's turning those letters into numbers. And then I have turned into numbers, now it equals 26. 26 what? Well, it could be 26 bananas, it could be 26 apples, it could be 20, 26 chairs, it could be anything, it's just, it's a number. Whenever, however, however, when you're counting the actual letters themselves, not their gematria, but you're counting those letters, that's a number that's more reflective of the word itself. So gematria is a number that's not so reflective of the word itself, it's more of what, what, whatever it is that you're counting. Again, like I said, 26 bananas. But when you're counting the amount of letters, that's more tzimzach, that's more the essence of the, of the word itself. So here's the idea. Vasisa Michael Gagecha means. Says the Rabbanu Shalom, you want Gagecha. But I'll, what does Gagecha mean? Gagecha is the gematria of Yudke Vavke. Says the Rabbanu Shalom, if all you had is Gagecha, then what? Then of course you'll experience my light, but it's not the etzem. It's not the, the essence of my light. It's not who I am, the etzem. It's a, it's a gematria. It's a derivative. And to experience the gematria of Yudke Vavke is very, very nice, but it's not the real thing. The Rabbanu Shalom says, I want you to experience the real deal. What's the real deal? The, the, the number of the letters themselves, but not just the four letters. I want you to be able to experience the pnimius, the deepest, to unpackage the essence of the name Yudke Vavke, which are the ten letters of Yudke Vavke. So not only is it gematria, but even within the letters, counting the letters, it's mamish the miloy, it's all the hidden letters of Yudke Vavke. Says Rabbi Shalom, I want you to have the real thing. I don't want you to have 26. I want you to have the, the, the number 10, because the number 10 represents the essence of the name Yudke Vavke as it is. How are you going to have that? By having a mechitza shal yud, a fence of ten tfachim, that's going to be your access point to experience the fullness of the essential name yud kevavke beyond the gematria of the word gagacha. So the secret of Micah is that it's dafka through Micah that a person is now given access to beyond the gematria of yud kevavke, which is gagacha. Now you're going to be given access to the essential name itself. And this is the Avaida, and this is the Avaida of Rosh Hashanah. The Avaida of Rosh Hashanah is to realize that every single piece of this world that the Rabbi Hashanah creates on Rosh Hashanah, and he created last year and we experienced this year, and every single piece of reality might be seen as a mechitz, as a meniyah. In truth, the Avaida is to realize that everything the Rabbi Hashanah sets up in this world is for one purpose and one purpose alone, to give us access to an even deeper place in Hashem's, in Hashem's place, in Hashem's universe. That it shouldn't just be Gagecha, but it should be not just the Gematria of Yudkevavke, but the, but the name Yudkevavke itself, with all of the hidden letters beneath the surface. In other words, it's to redefine, the Avoid of Rosh Hashanah is to redefine all of reality as not being a place of concealment and of darkness that we then have to operate in. The whole Avayda of Hashem is to realize that the very nature of reality itself is not Hisrachkos, it's not distance from Hashem, it's actually being brought even closer to Hashem. Now that there is a world with all of the craziness and all of the, 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 the details that go on 
in a, in a physical world, all those complex and all those details are actually gateways to bring us even closer to Hashem, not distance from Hashem. And let's appreciate this. This is in Ishmael's farm. We're taught that the, the, in depth, the nature of reality on Rosh Hashanah is that the universe itself needs chizik. The universe itself is is disturbed by its own existence. It's upset because it feels that its very existence is blocking between the neshamas of the Jewish people and the Rabbanu Shalom. So the universe itself feels guilty. The universe itself feels guilty about existing. Because it feels like, oh, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for me, says the world, then the Klai Yisrael would just be basking in Hashem's light. And that's it. So our avoid of Rosh Hashanah is to give chizik to the whole Bria. And the way we give chizik to the whole Bria is by using the, the nature of reality itself as a way to, to ask ourselves these most important questions, which is, what do I really want? What do I really want? Do I really want to come close to Hashem? Or do I just want the easy way out? And the question itself and the conversation, the inner conversation a person has to have, which is like, what do I really want out of my life? That's a conversation that could only happen because there's a re- because there's a universe that makes Hashem not so accessible. Because Hashem is not like you know just like on a shmorg that we you know like so to speak that we just go to and eat without any uh, without any minias, because there are minias in place as a result of there being a universe. Because of that, we're forced to ask those deeper questions, which is, what do I really want, and how much sacrifice am I willing to put in in order to get it? And and those questions and that inner truth that emerges out of really having a better clarity in terms of what I want for myself, what do I want for my family, what do I want for my neshama, and how much effort am I willing to put in in order to get that, and how much self-sacrifice am I willing to put in in order to find the truth, That's a, and that results in a much deeper connection to truth, a much deeper place in the Rabbani Shalom's universe, in the Rabbani Shalom's presence, that is only there because of the universe, only there because of the Minyas. And that gives a Yishvadas, it gives calmness to reality itself. And it and it's mamtik, it softens those dinam. Those those dinam, those gavuras, and that those mechitzas that are being placed in Rosh Hashanah are being redefined as vehicles for what for a deeper connection and a deeper understanding and a deeper motivation to come closer to Hashem and to make that decision of I want to be close to God, even if it means I don't feel close to God. I want God in His terms, not on my terms, and that's ultimately a question and 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 a, and a process that can only happen because of minias and because of mechitzas. This is the avoid of Rosh Hashanah, as Arizal said. The avoid of Rosh Hashanah is what Take the name Hashem Yudkevavke in all of its derivatives and turn it into Micah. Package it within Micah. Realize that you to fully access the and the depth of every name of Hashem, which is Hashem's light Himself, is only fully accessed in the deepest of ways because there's a Micah, because there's Gevura, because there's Minias and Mechitzas. And those Mechitzas themselves are not Mechitzas, in fact. They're just beckoning us to come even deeper into our souls and deeper into Hashem's place. And that's what it means, the Kavanas of Reish Yud Vav, of that, that, the, that the, the 216, the word Micah, is not a separate entity from Gagecha from Hashem's name. It, it, it's our way into Hashem's name. And let me let me just uh, share with you just a few lines from Narizal, how he puts this in his language. Again, this is in uh, in Parshas Kiseitze. So he says like this. 
Avalinian who? The concept is as follows. Kim loy hoyusham mechitzes. If there were no mechitzes, if there were no minias, vayhoyres yoytzen k'mayshem, the light of atzilus would just emanate straight, like you know, as it is, it would just come out. Hoyinikroim noiflim umeisem. Kiyipol hanoiflim menuth says the pasuk. If there wasn't for a mica, then then there's going to be an afila. What does it mean afila? Afila means that the light is going to move from atzilus into bria, and it's no longer going to become the rabbanu shalom's light. It's our perception of it. That's called an afila. Avol atash and yoytzen binav. There's a mica. So now the light doesn't doesn't change its identity. Whatever light, the, the light of Hashem remains in its place, in its authentic state, and we are able to perceive it through those mechitzes, through those through those uh, through those barriers. So he says, That's no longer going to be called an afila. That's a light of atzilas that's emanating forward and outward towards the world that we experience. Ulatam Zadai now says there is an amazing thing. Because of this, we understand the halacha. There's a halacha in Hilchas Micah. The Gemara says that if you're building a fence around a roof, it's enough, it could be made behutz of a dafna. Even if the if the if the mic is made of lattice where it's like a shvacha material that you can sort of see through, it's porous, and you can see through, that's enough for a mica. Because what's the idea? The idea is that it shouldn't be mamash a barrier that you shouldn't access any light. Of course, we want the light to penetrate, but it shouldn't fall. There shouldn't be a yurida. The mechitzes have to be seen as an entrance into gagacha, into even a deeper space of gagacha, and not just as a, as a mania itself. Let's go back. This is why the mitzvah of mica exists by the Beis HaMikdash doesn't just exist. That's Mamish, the Beis HaMikdash of all places needs this. Because the Beis HaMikdash is a place of such divine light, of such gagecha, of a place that that that, that Hashem's name is upon it. Right? That the, that the name of Hashem is upon that place. Of all places, of all places, the one place that we need to be even more sensitive to make sure that we're accessing the Rabbani Shalom as He is, and not our perception of things is the Beis HaMikdash. So of all places, Davke, you need a Micah by the Beis HaMikdash. And this is the Ikra Avoid of Rosh Hashanah. And like I mentioned before, even preparing for Rosh Hashanah, the Avoid of El, is to redefine for ourselves the very, the very, to, to realize that it's because of the obstacles in our path. Those are the obstacles that actually compel us to ask the most important questions that otherwise we would not ask. It's Davke sometimes because of mistakes that a person made, and now they're in the process of doing tshuva, that they ask questions that they otherwise would not be asking. And they get to a deeper place within themselves that otherwise they wouldn't be able to get to. And so the Aver itself becomes a mitzvah in that way. That itself is the deepest level of tshuva, where the maika, the mechitza, becomes an access point to a much deeper place within Gagecha. And that's the site of Rosh Hashanah. No. So Hashem should help us, we should be zaycha, that, you know, that uh, all the minias that a person experiences, should be shown for what they truly are, which are not minias at all, but really maftechas, uh, are just keys and access points to get somewhere deeper within the self, deeper within the Rabbani Shalom's universe. She was like to experience that. Befrat Bukhlal, Vyaskal Tzadik, Mihervi Menu Amen.